What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. The Radio Forest Podcast. Hey, Forrest, it's Bob Council with the Cowsills. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having us. This is great that you're helping spread the word. We really appreciate it. You got a brand new album now. It's been, what, 30 years since a new album? Yes, this has been a long time coming. Actually, I never thought it would come, but my sister, God bless her, kept hounding us for years. we got to make an album. got to make an album. But she's 10 years younger than me, so that's 10 years younger thinking, too. She was right. And we did. So was it hard to get everybody on board with this? Or, you know, if your sister's the driving force, what about your other brother? What about other members that were in the band that maybe don't want to? Did you have to go to, hey, are you in? No, I'm not interested. How about you? Yeah, I'm interested. How about you? Yeah, I'm interested. All right, who's going to no. write? How many songs are we going to do? Right, the seven councils who recorded the Rhythm of the World are the seven who have been touring for 18 years. So we're a tight band. Now we've replaced two brothers with two sons. My son, Ryan, is keyboard. Paul's son, Brendan guitarist and singer, and Susan's husband, Russ, is our drummer because our brother, John, has a career with the Beach Boys. He's been drumming with them for 20 years. So, no, we were ready to do this, to go into the studio. We had written 11 songs on the Happy Together Tour, which is a summer tour we do every year, me, Paul, and Susan, with other 60s groups, the Association, the Grassroots, the Gary Puckett, all of them. We love them. So we're together for three months, though, and we wrote these songs, and we thought, okay, let's go do them. Susan's been wanting to record anyway, and since we have, what we thought were good songs, great experience. Now, have you ever ran into John Stamos then? I know he's real tight with the Beach Boys. He's gotten on stage with them. Oh, yeah, because let me tell you something. We have a podcast, the Council's Podcast, every Wednesday, a new episode, and we had John Stamos on just to kind of tell us about our brother John kind of thing, you know. But And every time John Stamos tried to tell the story, he said, we really should have your brother here. So we're going to have an episode with both Johns, John Stamos and John Council, and get into that Beach Boy thing where they're sharing drumming and like, what is going on there? So, yeah, we met him. John's a good guy. We love him, and he loves our family. Now, the new album that we were talking about, Rhythm of the World, is out now. What about that song, Katrina, man? That's pretty powerful. What's the story behind that? Katrina is a powerful song due to the nature of the subject matter, which is our brother Barry passed away in the Katrina hurricane. He drowned. Now, that thing hit in September. We're not going to find it until December. But, you know, once the water all receded, everybody found out what they needed to know. And so back then, we're going to, you know, we weren't really thinking of recording or anything, but we, as, as a songwriter, you're going, God, who's going to write Katrina in the family? It seems like one of us should do it. No one wants to write it. Finally, I did. It was so cool because the lyric is kind of first person. It's very story as discussed through my songwriting. I, I don't know why, but I went with it. I wasn't born in 54, Barry was, but it's a first person account of what happened to him. And we're pretty sure he died in a wave, which he does at the end of the song. And we musically take him to heaven, you know, but it's his story. It was hard to do the lead vocal a little. You got to watch what you think. You can't think about Barry too much in that one, which was hard because as a lead singer in the studio, you're supposed to get into the lyric and beat the character, you know, but that one was a little different and harder. Is that going to be one that you guys perform live? I mean, it'd just be emotionally tough. It'll be emotionally tough, and I haven't been challenged there on stage yet, okay? I will be challenged because I sing it. 
yeah, we're going to perform it. Of course, we're we've got four at the show now, four from the album. We're, look, we want this thing to do so well. We go on the Rhythm of the World tour with Tour Jacket, you know, 25 cities on the back of them. <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll see. The, the public's going to let us know about that because they get to hear this and, just, and make a decision. Hey, guys, this is good. That's what we're hoping for, of course. It's a positive reaction. Because we're just here to bring some love and understanding. I've heard a lot of rock stars talk about Vegas residencies, everybody from Def Leppard. Aerosmith is now uh, in Vegas through the end of the year. You guys got one coming up in Branson. I hear these guys talk about how it's great to still do what we do without the grueling touring, and it's great to be in one place for more than two days. They find it really like comfortable and also a nice change. Would you agree with that? We understand the groups who go to Vegas and are tired of going to the audience, which is your tour. You know some of the big ones, they're out there all year. We understand getting tired of doing that, and this is a way for the audience to come to you. We're all kind of legacy acts a little later, but we get that. Now, we don't call Branson a residency. We're with the Letterman there and, and uh, you know, some other artists in the show. It's a Christmas show Monday through an annual Christmas show that goes on there at the Andy Williams Moon River Theater. Now, if it becomes an annual six weeks, yeah, we can call it that. And by the way, you're correct. It's six weeks every night. It's like the Happy Together Tour without the bus rides in between cities. You're right. We haven't experienced it yet, but we will experience the value of that. Absolutely. That's a, a plus on being to be somewhere that long for six weeks and everyone can find you is pretty cool. Now, one thing I've always worried about with touring musicians is how do you pack? And I imagine that's something you learn. You do it wrong a couple mm-hmm. of times. You find a couple of things that you need. But when you do the Flower Power Cruise that's sold out, how do you pack for a cruise differently from going from, say, like a six-week tour? Or is it basically the same, just change what you're taking for the weather? When we do the Flower Power Cruise, something like that, we're playing on top of the cruise ship outside. It is a party. So we're dressed kind of casual cruise ship attire. We did a, a gig that was a formal in tuxedos once. Uh, but normally we're, we're in these vests, and we'll have Christmas vests for Christmas. And you do try and pick something that's minimal that you can re- reuse maybe two nights in a row maybe three, especially on the Happy Together Tour, you're only doing a 20-minute set, five songs. Just take it off right away, and you can manage it through the summer. And see, so bring about three outfits. Now, that's talking about guys who don't care, me and Paul. You know, you talk to Susan and the girls, and well, that's a whole different question. Susan is like, what am I going to wear in Vegas? And Paul and I, we're just going to Christmas up our vests and have some green and uh, red shirts or something. It's easy for a guy, but Susan is running these beautiful Christmas dresses by, and I go, okay, they have to spend more time, so it's a little more for her. The Cow Sills, you got two songs on the Thank You, Mr. Rogers album. Would you say that Rogers is an underappreciated songwriter? I mean, without all the puppets and the TV filming and all the advocacy he did for kids, that guy's a singer, performer, songwriter at his core. And I will tell you that we all learned that. During that project, we all learned it. You had a sense of it, but you didn't know how good he was. We didn't even know he wrote Won't You Be My Neighbor. We didn't know he wrote that. I mean, right there is a hit record. That Right there is his theme song. And then we find out, of course, we're all going to learn, oh, he's way beyond that song. But I will tell you this. When they asked us to come into the project, they said, we'd just like you to do a song that Mr. Rogers wrote, okay? And we said, fine. We had no idea we were going to be given the holy grail there of Won't You Be My Neighbor. And Boy, the arrangement and 
that was fun doing. That was fun putting our thing on that song. How long did it take you to come up with your spin? Because you're staying true to the song, but it's got a little bit of your flavor into it. Did that just come naturally, or did you have to sit down and go, no, let's not do it? I mean, was it a long writing process, is my question, or did it just kind of like, let's do our version, one, two, three, go? Right, in terms of the vocals and the background. Now, they had the track ready for us. They did a great job in, in that part of it. We knew what they wanted, Calcils. You know, we know what they want. And so we spent a night at John's house and just did the vocal arrangement. And they had some suggestions for us, and we took those and changed them a little and made it us. And, boy, we heard that, and we thought, geez, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> it's too bad Fred couldn't hear it. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? Reality remains reality no matter how hard you try to ignore it. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Again, I'm all here for the pop culture, people dating each other for the press. Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. Every so often, and by every so often, I mean literally every 27 seconds when the producer gets fired. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Your guys' life, your family, the siblings being in music, you're their inspiration behind a pretty big TV show. How did that come to fruition? Like, how did that... And did you ever get royalties for that or any sort of recognition? Oh, my gosh. For the Partridge family, we got a ton of recognition, but not money. Look, we were the firstborn of the whole generation of artists, the British invasion groups. The, all of us were in the late 60s going strong. All of us were coming up with four or five really good hits. And some of us went beyond that. Peter New and Gary Lewis had 12 hits, you know. So that was a heady time back then that to be... Just a part of that, coming up with that stuff. I mean, I don't know how we did it, to be honest with you. But I'm older now. I'm going back to when I was a child, you know. We really were kids, but we had watched the Osmonds. We'd watch the Andrews Sisters. We watched the Lennon Sisters. We watched Lawrence Falk, Mitch Miller, sing along with Mitch. These are, we're kids in front of those shows, and it's sinking in. But don't you think if that happened in 2022, they'd pay some sort of royalties? Or, like, it almost seems borderline. You don't think it's a... I would think, like, hey, that's your life story. Here's a cut of this, at least. Yes, they should have. Okay. But my dad is going to mismanage all of that. It's the truth. We got nothing for the Partridge family, except they mentioned us in interviews. We developed relationships with the kids. There was Shirley Jones. And the relationship in the long run was the most interesting relationship with another, quote-unquote, singing family that we've ever had, because we still have it. Even you and me are going to talk about it, because it's so different and fascinating. It was quite a compliment. We weren't running the business back then, okay? We're just kids, and somebody's not making good decisions on our behalf is all we knew about that kind of thing. So what's the bookend then with your relationship with your father or all your brothers and sisters? I imagine it's maybe similar, but probably not exactly the same. Right. The way we handled Dad, and now he passed to, well, he's gone, okay? But the way we handle them is you're going to see something here. The three brothers who took him on, and I mean, this guy was a rough-and-tumble Navy guy, and it was just rough, okay? The three 
who took him on, had passed away. And the rest of us navigated around this man because he was going to cause trouble all through our career. It's going to go up, it's going to go down. And this is in the documentary, Family Band, the story of the councils. This is our history. But you get used to it, you realize, okay, now we've got to pick up the pieces again. Now we've got to pick up the pieces again. Which is why after 72, when he threw our brother Bill out of the family, and he threw, that's his own son, by the way, not out of the group, that was the worst thing he did. It's going to go south for sure now. And it did. That's tough. That's got to be hard. I mean, how, it was very hard. Do you move past it? Are you ever to see you through his eyes? And how does that affect your family and how you behave? It's got to change everything in your life. The council children who endured how they grew up, we didn't become those classic ones who were going to repeat the sins of the father. Okay, we stopped it right there. We just stopped it, all of us. We endured it as a group, as seven kids. You know, we were, he kept us isolated because that's how military works. You don't let them get too close to each other. They'll go against you. We navigated around the trouble he caused and did the best we could. Well, let's change a little bit to a more positive content here. The song Hair. We can't talk to you and not talk about it. The original version had kind of some more religious undertones in it and language. That didn't make it into the Cal Sills version. Is that a group decision or was it already rewritten? Was it changed for time? Were they worried about the lyrical content? They were worried about the third verse, my hair like Jesus wore it. Hallelujah, I adore it. Mary loved his son. Why don't my mother, why doesn't my mother love me? They didn't like that lyric. We got it. You know, look, we're agreeable children. We're trained to just say yes to adults and whatever you need, we can make it work. Right? Take Jesus out of here. Not a problem. Now, we're going to do that song for a TV special. Carl Reiner sent us that. We didn't know anything about hair. He sent us this album of the Broadway musical. We didn't even know about the Broadway musical. But the song intrigued us. And he said, take it into the studio. Record it so you can lip sync it on the TV special. We'll have you out in San Francisco on a TV special. We'll put you in wigs. It's going to be a blast. And it was. Now, that's a homework assignment. We're about to leave for 1968 Indian Lake tour for the whole summer. So we've got to get into a studio fast. So we go in, and in two days, we record here. The way you hear it, it's done. It's, it's from the beginning of the first day to the end of the second, done. We put it in the vault. We've got to go on tour. We send it to MGM because we like it, and we think it's cool. They hate it because we're coming off Indian Lake, which is a hit. They go, who is this? But the TV special's coming. Now, back then, remember, the TV specials, the United States is going to see you on the TV special. So it's important. So MGM gets with it, puts hair out. Now, this is when we find out, oh, the Fifth Dimension were over there doing Aquarius. Chuck Negron and Free Dog Knight were doing Easy to Be Hard. Oliver's doing Good Morning Starshine, and they're all up in the top ten at the same time. But none of us knowing what each other was up to. <laughs> crazy story. That's crazy. And our biggest hit. Yeah. It's going to be our biggest hit. You guys have been on a hundred different things, all kinds of different shows. The one I'm interested on, because I don't think I've interviewed somebody that's been on the show, the Johnny Cash show. Wasn't on for a long time. Wasn't a huge hit, kind of more of a cult classic, but I mean, it's the Man in Black. What do you remember about that? Yeah, Man in Black, let me tell you. So Johnny Cash show has us on, and this is Johnny Cash. Now, we're older, we know the history, we know Johnny's history, but we're getting Johnny Cash after Bob Dylan and a little religion is going to fix him up too. And this is the great icon, Johnny Cash, okay? And we meet him. He's not nine feet tall, but you'd think he was. I'm 19, okay? And I'm meeting Carl Perkins and Buffy St. Marie. Having Johnny Cash say, well, you, I think you're one of the greatest families, and to sing a spiritual with him, to this day you can YouTube 
Johnny Cash and the Castles and listen to Children Where Did It, some spiritual he wanted us to do on his TV show, which we did. Now, after the show, he looks at me, <laughs> I'm 19. He says, hey, you want to come over to the house? Carl's coming over. We're going to go jam. So I'm kind of supposed to go with Carl Perkins and Johnny Cash to Johnny's house to jam. And the first thought I have is, my father's never going to let me go with these two oh, men to their house. Wow. So I say no to them. I say no rather than say yes and have it changed. You, get, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I didn't want to be embarrassed, but I felt terrible saying no. He probably couldn't get, but look, anyway, that's just a little memory of mine that I regret it, but I don't think I could have changed it. I would have never been allowed. And so I just handled it right there. I got it. What a great story. It's almost like you need a book just to kind of put all these things in together. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of isolated stories of things that happened like that. Carl Perkins, Johnny Cash, while they're asking me this, are bigger than life to me. I'm intimidated. I'm overwhelmed by the stature of these two guys. When a guy wrote blue suede shoes, I'm going crazy in front of him, but holding it in. I'm a fan. We love doing it. Oh, my God, he's such a good man. Well, new album, Rhythm of the World, The Cowsills, is out now. It's Bob Cowsill. Thank you so much. You guys got the sold-out tour coming up. You've got shows in Branson. You're all over the world. Thank you so much, Bob. It's been great to talk to you today. Thank you very much. It really has been great. I just love visiting with everyone. Thanks, listeners. Check the podcast out, Cowsills Podcast and Rhythm of the World. And we'll revisit this. Let's see what happens in a year. Let's get back on this. It'll be great to see what happens. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day, plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.